Hi, everybody, and welcome back to yet another cracking installment of the Map Around Show. This is the Built in California series, and with me on the line is an amazing founder doing some what I believe is a pretty hard thing, <laughs> which we'll be getting into. I uh, love hard science problems and founders who are solving them. So uh, his name is AJ Chantala, the co-founder and uh, CEO of Make a Dojo. Welcome to the show. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having us. No, you're very welcome, man. So look, uh, why don't you kick uh, us off uh, and maybe give us the elevator pitch on uh, what exactly is the Maker Dojo up to? And um, you've also um, got quite an, an interesting backstory too, a uh, former Facebook engineer working on WhatsApp. So we all know that story. <laughs> so yeah, we're over to you, bud. Kick us off. Yeah, so we are Maker Dojo. Um, we are a data platform for Web3. Um, so we make it easy for both consumers and enterprises to make it easy to access web3 data so at the core of so the core of the problem is we make it uh, easy to understand data or like process data so we have like a suite of solutions at the top end um, is our ask feature where any user can come to our platform and ask a question about blockchain data and we'll respond back our ai engine will respond back with a fact or a plot so it's you can look at it like Siri on your iPhone for blockchain data. Um, whereas the other end of the spectrum is where enterprise use our data firehose, where we have all this enriched blockchain data and enterprises just have raw access to, state, to this data and they build solutions on top of this data. And we have other solutions in, in, um, in between the spectrum, things like querying interfaces, dashboards, alerting, and everything. So at a high level, we are solving the data problem for Web3. Well, uh, congratulations, Matt. I think this is pretty cool. Um, I think a lot of, um, let's just say, Web3 positioned, if you like, businesses are looking for a problem to solve. Uh, but clearly what you guys have done is uh, you've actually found a use case, which is really interesting, isn't it? It's kind of like... If you if you spoke to me about blockchain analytics, I'd be like, "What are you talking about?" But then when you when you frame it in the context of Google, you're like the Google of blockchain analytics, aren't you? So like, if I wanted to know what the total amount of circulating Bitcoin is, it would show me. If I wanted to know exactly. the total, exactly, you know what I mean? Like it's and it's conversational analytics. Yes, yes, exactly. So that's that's our uh, that's the main product that we have. Um, so. We understand that this very tiny percentage of population who actually can process this data or write complex SQL or complex code to get any useful insights out of this data. Whereas if you look at the blockchain market itself, the players in the blockchain markets, like regular users who want to either like trade or like buy NFTs or just do some investments and things like that. So these users, they want to they want, they have like a lot of questions, but then there's no easy way to like get answers for those questions. So we are essentially like solving that problem. So they can ask, so users can ask question in like simple English, and our engine will take care of like doing all the complex pieces and get them an answer that they are looking for. Mm-hmm. So uh, before we get into the meat and the potatoes, I'd love for us to spend some time uh, talking about your experience at WhatsApp because like the I still remember from back in the day, it was kind of like, you know, it was all about like it was, you know, there was Uber and Airbnb and then, you know, and then there was WhatsApp. And then I'll never forget there was like, well, you know, how do you get 50 million users with only nine engineers? You know what I mean? Um, yeah. so what So what did that experience teach you about 
hard science problems and how do you tackle them? I'm not sure if WhatsApp was hard science, but certainly it was, at least from my experience anyway, it, it is a, a hard thing to to scale. Like that was probably like the shining light of scale, isn't it? Isn't it from like a WhatsApp messaging perspective or yeah, con- uh, conversational analytics perspective? Yeah, yeah. So uh, regarding WhatsApp, so I was, so by the time I joined WhatsApp, it's already pretty big. It's already under Meta and Facebook like uh, um, took over it. And uh, it's, it's, but when you put like things in perspective, WhatsApp team is still like pretty small compared to the amount of user base they have. Um, so uh, it's amazing how much you can accomplish if you just focus on the right problems. So at WhatsApp, it's all about like, just focusing on solving the um, messaging problem. You just make sure your messaging works and that's it. Make sure the product is very easy and intuitive for the user uh, to uh, to just get that, get the thing done there on the product for. So I think that's a big lesson that I took from my experience working at WhatsApp. So just focus on fundamentals, just solve one problem and so solve it correct. So the same principle we are applying uh, at Maker where just get that answer to the user. I mean, we can like do a ton of features, but at the core of it, user is coming to our platform to get that question answered. So we just make sure that we get that answer and we get that answer like fast. Um, and we also get in such a way that they, they have like trust on the platform. So when we answer the question, we also give them the code that we use to answer answer that question. So having that uh, intrinsic trust in the platform and trust in the answers that we are like serving, that's that's key to uh, solving a problem and key to like gaining more users. So WhatsApp, when it started, it essentially just did that, right? I mean, it just made it easy. So it, it's pretty much like any other messaging. It's like your typical text messaging app. But it's fast and it's secure. So it just and also it took away all the friction that you have with regular messaging, where you don't have to like pay. It's instant and things like that. So that that's like a key to um, it's it's massive growth. So um, I'm curious, and I'm sure our audience would be as well. Is I mean, I love your point around use cases, but a use case requires a particular customer. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. no use cases solve everything for everyone. So, yeah. and as you know, like you know, you get different users for different things. So, who would you say is your customer, and what use case are you solving for them? Because if I've got up your website here, you've got Mueller Asset Comparison, Pact CELO, Liquidity Pool, Stablecoin right. Metrics. Like, there's yeah. a, there's actually quite a lot of use cases isn't there uh, yep, for, yep. for what you guys have done so who is your customer and, and and what are these use cases exactly yeah so our uh, users oddly fall into four personas so we have one user persona who is like a regular traders so these are the kind of users who want to uh, just make some trades based on uh, the data that they, they do their like research before they trade their nfts or uh, tokens or things like that. So they come to our platform. So these are the users who are uh, who know about the data, but then don't have the technical skills to query the data. So they are the ones that come to our platform, ask some questions, figure out what is the trading volume of a certain token, or who's the how are like trades happening with respect to um, the largest wallets and things like that. In fact, an example there is we have one user who uses our platform to track how. Uh, uh, how some of these wallets that are holding a large amount of tokens are trading. And this guy tries to emulate or follow similar trades 
uh, at a volume that he is comfortable with. So he's using our platform to do his research uh, and make an informed decision in his like trading activities. And we have other persona who are these product managers at these Web3 companies. So product managers, they usually uh, use this data to uh, make decisions about their products. Let's say someone is building a, building a new feature or someone is trying to introduce a new um, a product which gives some rewards and things like that. So in order to like figure out or in order to make a decision around what should the reward rate be set at or things like that, they use our platform to uh, just get that research work done. So they usually like start by asking question uh, and then they expand on the data or the expand on the results that they got uh, and then continue their research. Um, so typically these product managers, they currently have like a team of data scientists they work with where uh, they ask their questions to the data science team and there's always a latency because you are having to like deal with another team. Um, so what we do is we make it easy. So we are skipping the initial leg where they can get all, all their like basic questions answered from our platform without having to like reach out to a data science team. And then when things get like complex, then that's when they can like reach out to the data science team. The third persona is is all these project communities. Um, for example, uh, in Web3, um, a lot of things are like decentralized organizations and a lot of projects try to keep things in open. So all of these projects, they uh, tend to show the statistics on their dashboard so that they are open with the community. Right? Everyone can like see what's happening um, just by looking at the dashboards on these websites. So the, this third persona uses our platform dashboards created on our platform and then embed these dashboards onto their uh, onto their like community websites and things like that. An example there is Celo blockchain. So we have dashboards that are built on our platform, but are embedded on Silo's um, website. So things around um, this Moolah and Ubiswap and statistics are page dashboards that that like show statistics around these things. They are like embedded on Silo's website itself, but then are powered by our platform. And the fourth persona is this enterprises who want direct access to the data. So we have uh, one customer, one enterprise customer who is um, doing, who is using uh, this data firehose, where they are into this table coins and things like that, and they have direct access to the data stream, and they can like set up alerts on the data stream, and then uh, plug that into their own backend to drive their product. So yeah, but, uh, so we have these four different personas where users directly asking questions, and the other end is just directly accessing the data firehose and build their products on top. Cool. So if you, if you think about all those personas, I mean, what would you say is the market opportunity that you're going after in dollars? Is it 2 billion? Is it hard to say? Because, you know, it's difficult, right? Because... Oh, yeah, that's so the market opportunity is actually pretty huge. I think the current, at least if you look at just the crypto market cap itself, I think it's at around $800 billion. But that's after... Um, that's now when things are like pretty down. So when we started working on this problem, it was uh, uh, it, it it was around like two trillion dollars, I believe. And this is just the crypto market, and the market that we are targeting is entire blockchain market. And we also see like a lot of traditional players entering into the blockchain market. For example, a lot of the Wall Street banks 
they're trying to use blockchain for settling transactions and things like that. So we expect the blockchain market itself to grow and with, with all of the traditional um, uh, banks that are coming in and starting to use blockchain. So we expect the market itself to grow uh, into, into a big number. Mm. I must actually connect you to a guy called Wes Cummins. Mm-hmm. Um, he's uh, he's the founder of um, of a company called. They were Applied Blockchain, and now they're uh, they kind of not well. They are pivoting actually into something called Applied Digital, um, and um, something to consider. And you can chat to Wes about it. But you should actually be because it's still for him. It's still it's he's moving into digital infrastructure, but it's blockchain infrastructure. So whereas before it was just mining, you know, it was like the infrastructure for mining. Now it's like infrastructure for blockchain applications and i think there's with what you guys are doing your that for me my sense would be that there's an opportunity to 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 create value around you know digital infrastructure analytics yes but within a, but within a very specific blockchain context that's that's true uh in fact so that's why we don't uh pigeonhole ourselves into just crypto um, data analytics. So we call ourselves as general blockchain and Web3 data because we see that the data problem uh, is transferable to all sorts of domains. So if we solve for like crypto, that's say, we can just tweak a few things and then make it work for um, Web3 infra or regular fintech or things like that. So yeah, that, 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 that's, a, that's a good opportunity. That's That's true. Um, and so what kind of, I mean, I know you mentioned you had an enterprise client there, but what kind of traction are you guys getting? Is there a way to substantiate kind of like, you know, how much uh, traction you are getting in adoption for something like this at this stage with the market being where it is? Um, so we we have some enterprise, so we have some like sales lists and enterprise users. We have a few enterprises that, enterprise users that are already using the Firehose solution that I talked about and few are in the pipeline. Uh and our uh, consumer product is what is uh, picking up more traction. So we have we are seeing like a lot of users coming to our platform every day, asking a bunch of questions and coming back and doing more research. So that's that's a segment that that we are like most excited about. Uh, but then, given that we have data, we have all of these enterprise solutions that are that that we that that like that slowly is coming along as well. So what have you guys actually built? Is this like a WYSIWYG editor for blockchain analytics? Um, how does it actually all come together from a user perspective? Um, so we we kind of like maintain all um, uh, all layers of the stack. So we have um, blockchain. So we, we have all these blockchain nodes that we run to uh, essentially maintain raw blockchain data. And then we have um, data pipelines which pull data from our nodes and then uh, enrich them, save them in our uh, columnar databases. And then on top of that, we have all these API layers that build our solution. And somewhere in between, we have um, we, are, we are using these um, AI models to um, help answer this question. So when someone comes to our platform and asks a question, so it like triggers our AI engine and we convert that question into SQL and then run that SQL against, against our uh, databases. And then once we have the data, we trigger some more models to actually like plot the result into a graph that's like most relevant for the question. So that's like the consumer side. And for the enterprise side, we have like API engines where um, we allow users access to this data in various formats. I mean, be it uh, by regular querying the data or building the dashboards 
or just using our API to have direct access to, to this data. So um, you touched on it up front, but there's actually three co-founders uh, of this startup. Yes, yes. So um, you have to like correct that. I'm the CTO, co-founder and CTO of MakerDojo. So our CEO is, uh, is someone called Priyank. Okay, so I got it wrong up front, everyone. He's, no, no. The, C, he's the CTO, okay? <laughs> you got to watch out, man. You got to watch out here. Get one one letter wrong, changes everything. <laughs> so um, talk, walk me, explain, help us understand who's on the team. Uh, so you've got three uh, co-founders. Were they also at WhatsApp like back in the day? Um, yeah, so, uh, so three of us, we worked together at Coursera, uh, the educational tech company. Um, so... We worked at Coursera. I mean, all three of us worked together at Coursera. And after that, I moved to WhatsApp for a couple of years before starting this. And uh, so Priyank, our CEO, he uh, he started a couple of companies while he was uh, um, graduate. I mean, while he was like doing his master's at Stanford. And he sold his companies for IP. And this is his like uh, fourth company right now. Um, so all of us like knew each other at Coursera and uh, we all had this interest in startups and we are, we've always been like thinking about what to do next and things like that. And during pandemic, we came together and built this um, um, board games platform where you can like play board. You can essentially like bring your own board game. You can like take a picture of your board game and build it online and play with your friends over uh, video chat it's like zoom and then uh, tabletop everything combined into one platform so when building that we realized that we as a team can like work together and uh, then we started like looking at problems that fit with our um, um, uh, skills uh, so we started like looking for problems in domains that we are excited about and also problems that that's something that we can like solve mm -hmm. so all of us uh, in our like day-to-day -day work at like Coursera and like previous roles uh, we have um, um, so we have we have like deep system skills and also like worked with large amounts of data at Coursera at other places uh, and then we have individually been like invested in the crypto world and the blockchain space and all and we have um, and on, on the side we have all like traded and we have tried running our own nodes and things like that so we found that blockchain is something that we wanted to like explore and then see what problems that we can solve there. And when like looking for problems and then trying out a few ideas and talking to users, we realized that data analytics and just access to data is a huge opportunity that that we are better positioned to solve. Mm. That's when we started uh, MakerDojo. Uh, our initial avatar uh, was more of a um, regular data querying platform where we just provide users a SQL interface. But then after like looking at the platform and after using the platform ourselves, we realized that even though we made it easy to query the data and the data is all there, it still is pretty hard to write SQL. You still need to like understand the data, how the data is organized. You still need to like know SQL uh, syntax and things like that. So that's when we pivoted and then came up with this uh, conversational data analytics. So that's, that's our like backstory. Very cool. Um, so I have to ask you. So you know, someone, my mentor told me once. He was like, "Yo, whatever, wherever you go and launch your ship, make sure you you're in a tide that's rising because all boats rise with a rising tide." Yeah. When when you start up something like this, and I know you guys have raised uh, one and a half million dollars, which we'll come into in a moment. Um, yeah. But but 
where does your mind go when the crypto market tanks? Does it like, do you know what I mean? Like, how how does it make you feel? Like, do you feel like, oh, it's just a storm, it will pass and the tide will rise again? Or do you feel like, hey, we actually don't give a fuck because we're actually technology utility, not crypto trading speculation. I think mean, those are very different things, even though they're sort yeah. of related. So, so w- how does this, uh, the, when the market, when the tide goes out like that? Yeah. Wh- yeah. What do so, you guys, yeah. How yeah, do you we are, we are, yeah. So we are uh, right now thinking more of the later uh, because the, the problem that we are solving is uh, not just specific to crypto or blockchains. And this is a problem uh, that that's like easily, uh, transferable to other domains as well. For example, uh, our, right now our AI engine can understand uh, things like rug pull or uh, um, um, slippage and things like that. There are like a lot of fintech concepts that the AI engine already understands. So for us to like pivot and then, so once we solve this well enough here, we believe that we can like take the same solution and then sell it to Wall Street. I mean, just plug it into their data and now all their traders can ask questions around all these complex financial topics and they'll get answers. Mm-hmm. So we still believe that we are solving that fundamental problem that's not directly tied to crypto. Uh, where crypto is still our engine, our go-to market and everything, then we feel that problem that we are solving is much bigger than the crypto market itself. Um, but you're true. You're, you're right that um, with the market the way it is right now, and given that our go-to market itself is crypto and the blockchain field and Web three in general, um, we are aware that um, the times are hard. Um, so, for example, uh, back when we started, it may be so we it may be a lot easier to sell to a customer I and mean, find a user and sell to them and make money, versus we probably have to like. Uh, work 3x or 5x harder to make the same sales call. Uh, things like that. Things are harder than when we started, but then we still believe that the problem that we are solving is much bigger than the crypto market so far. The domain that uh, domain in the market that we are eyeing for uh, is both Web2 and Web3, not just Web3. Cool. Uh, thank you. That's, so that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's a good question, by the way. Most relevant <laughs> <Cool>. question. <laughs> yeah, very relevant. This is one yeah. thing everyone will be wanting to know. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, how do you react to something like that? Um, so let's talk about your your uh, your raise. So congratulations. Pre-seed funding, $1.5 million closed in October. So um, yeah, congratulations. So how was that experience for you guys as a team? I mean, obviously basically like this every every startups in some kind of a raise but i think a lot of people yeah. are like suffering right now you know it's yeah, pretty, yeah it's yeah. pretty shitty out there <laughs> to be raising money oh, yeah, especially definitely. in especially in december you know oh um, yeah but um so what was your experience on the coal face was it harder than you expected Did, was it easier than you expected so um it was pretty much as we expected i mean we'd not uh, so we did not go into fundraising thinking that we'll just go to like two, three investors and then we'll get a big check back and we'll be done with it. So we 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 were always grounded in reality that this is going to like take a bit of time. And uh, partly in thanks to like podcasts like yours and few others that we have like heard. Um, because I mean, when someone who hasn't like raised a seed round or say any round in that matter, 
you'll only like look at the end result right i mean techcrunch will write an article saying that hey these guys raised this much money and from an outsider you would like think that oh okay it looks simple right because they talked to probably like five six investors and they got money but then the reality is that you'll have to like talk to a lot more investors than what seems outside so uh, going into fundraising we read a lot of things talked to a lot of people uh, and also heard a lot of podcasts and we set our reality i mean we knew that it's going to be a month or two or time i mean it's not going to be done in a week or so it's going to be a long process and we have to like talk to a lot of people as well so i think we set things like um, we'll probably like need 50 plus interviews before we could do a, we could like get some favorable results mm. and in fact that that pretty much what has happened i think it was uh, somewhere around 53 or 55th call is when we we got a potential lead and after we got a potential lead it everything fell in place so fast um but um yeah i think i think um, it was uh it was as uh, pretty much as pretty much as exactly as we expected uh but then yeah for anyone who is like looking to raise money especially in this climate uh i would say like it'll take time i mean and and also like going into fundraising we felt we there's also a luck factor that's involved and uh, being engineers and being data driven that we are we are like okay we have to get lucky but then we don't believe in luck like something you have to make for yourself mm-hmm. so we came up with this uh, with with this theory that um, you need that luck but then you have to increase your luck and uh, you can increase your luck by just trying more things right so we said okay uh, you'll get lucky only when you like increase your volume of your reach outs so we said okay let's put like target for these many cold emails and these many referrals and things like that so every week we had uh, targets that we had to like reach you know, in terms of like uh, reaching out to investors or like reaching out to referrals and things like that and in the end that really helped uh, it's purely because of the number of people that we talked to uh, and the people who they have referred uh, we ended up like closing our round um, but then, yeah i'd say like numbers um, just just talk to more people and uh, do more user research that's anything that helped going into fundraising it was not just a, a slide deck we had we had a working product which customers were using so we had like real people using our product who were like giving us feedback i think that that played um, a lot in a, um, uh, towards our favor and investors when they saw that the product is live and they saw users using the product um they gave us more feedback and in uh, in turn they um they tried referring us to other their friend investors and things like that that helped me probably that made our uh, raising around a little easier than uh, what we had anticipated hmm. there's another guy uh, i should introduce you to they basically all been on my show <laughs> so uh, uh his name is Eddie Sidman Mm-hmm. um it's i think i think because uh, so basically what he's done he's created something called revel so r-e-v-e-l dot x-y-z mm-hmm. have a listen to the the show um but um and and so he's actually created a really amazing marketplace for uh nft creation uh purchasing collection Actually, yeah things like that yeah. like and, yeah. yeah exactly so like i would see like your product applying as a user there you know what i mean so like the the ape 
NFT, I'm using that as a reference because I'm not really yeah. into the space, but, you know, like how many Ape NFTs have been minted across it? You know what I mean? Like, I think that could be quite yeah. an interesting deep vertical use case for, for you guys. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So we have like one user, I mean, one uh, company that we are like trying, we're in the process of like um, selling our product uh, where they're trying to like use our platform for uh, their analytics page. For example, um, uh, even that's an NFT marketplace too. So they want to like provide the statistics to their users where uh, if I have my NFT up for sale, I want to like track how many users have like interacted with this or mm. how many uh, sales have happened and things like that. Mm-hmm. So instead of building this um, as an in-house solution, they want to like see if they can like plug into the data firehose that we are providing and then just build up a solution uh, and go to market fast. So that's that's that I think is like, um, but yeah, uh, the other thing that we are also like trying to upsell them is the entire ask interface where along with the statistics, just provide a search bar in their website. So you, if you remember, um, Google used to do that. I'm not sure if you can still do that, where you can like embed the search bar onto your website uh, and just uh, restrict the search to just your website domain itself, right? So we are trying to like get into that where uh, just for your project, uh, embed the R search bar and what are the questions that you ask? They'll all be like, ta- the results will all be like tailored to just your product or just your project. That's that's something that we are trying to, uh, we are exploring right now. Yeah, it's cool. You're like a, a plugin for blockchain analytics or, yep. you know, yeah. so, hey, I've got this marketplace, you know, ad plugin takes 24, 48 hours to listen and do its thing. And then you've got the analytics on the front end after the engine's done its work. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what we're trying to do there. So um, this is obviously a hard thing. I don't know, like technology is a, a difficult thing to get right. Um, and so you're going to make mistakes. So what would you say as a team has been your greatest failure, quote unquote? Um, and what have you learned from that? What would you put it down to? Um, so I think our probably greatest mistake so far in hindsight, at least, um, is, uh, so, so we started with a smaller, um, uh, um, project than what we have, what we'd have like started with. So when we started, we started with certain projects because we had more active users there. Um, uh, in hindsight, we should have picked a project that has a lot more users and a lot more activity because it's a bigger piece of pie, right? Uh, but then the um, there there are like both pros and cons with that approach because it was a smaller project and smaller community. We were able to like find our our users a lot more faster, and the community itself was like more welcoming, and we were able to like talk to a lot of people talk to our users face-to-face and have meetings with them and things like that, uh, which might have been like harder if had we picked a bigger project. Uh, but then in hindsight, probably we should have like placed our bets on multiple projects and projects of like different scales maybe. Mm. And why do you think, how do you think that would have improved your strategy then? Would, it, would you have been able to build, well, solve the right use case earlier on? Yeah, so yes, we should have like solved um, a use case that translates to multiple projects. Um, solve, to, so solve for your current user, solve it well, but then keep in mind or leave enough leeway for you to like translate that problem into other uh, other projects as well. So we should have been like uh, picked a uh, use case that we are solving that is that that would have like made it easy for us to uh, launch on other projects pretty quick. 
so we have had to like do a lot of work to so eventually we launched another projects but uh, we have had to like put in a lot more effort than we initially anticipated so it's essentially we had to like double the effort I and mean, we have to like do everything from the ground up um so had we been like more careful we'd have done that a lot faster so yeah right now we are at that stage where we can like launch on any project uh, pretty much overnight so we have like moved things around and we have learned from 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 those things so what are you struggling with at the moment as a team so right now uh, so right now um, we have realized that the, when someone comes to our platform and asks a question uh, the time to response is pretty important so you wouldn't so when i ask a question on google i don't want to like wait multiple seconds to get a response right so as users of our own platform we ex- we expect the same from from our platform as well um so right now we are still uh, around like 30 seconds to 1 minute so because it still has to like run these queries on a lot of data uh so that's the biggest problem and that's something that we are trying to solve right now so when someone asks the question we want the response to be in a few seconds if not milliseconds so in order to like get there there are like a lot of things uh, along the stack that we need to solve we need to like make the data querying faster we need to make the ai engine faster we need to like uh, cache a lot of things uh so we are like solving one problem at a time and uh, um, so when we started this i told you that we are like working on new architecture and all right the launch and all so the the data query part is something that we are like solving right now so we have a new architecture that's going to like respond to this questions in in a matter of seconds instead of like tens of seconds so that's something that we are like pretty excited about uh, but we want to like tackle all these other problems along the stack so that the answers are instant and user doesn't have to like wait uh, more than a few seconds to get get to their like uh, get get to the uh, get to the uh, answer that they are looking for mm. interestingly uh, google had the same problem <laughs> yeah like, they also had the same problem yeah uh, yep, yep. to my knowledge like they i think they they had to raise money for computers just yep. basically yeah. they they, the they through yeah they they did like a combination of software and hardware they threw like a lot of resources at the same time they they came up with some clever algorithms that 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 uh, made their problem made made the latency a lot less mm. so we are hoping so we are not uh, at least in this market we are not in a position to raise a lot more money so we we are mm. focusing on the later uh, trying to like solve a lot of things with software and clever tricks mm-hmm Yeah, you're hacking it, dude. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> no, that's cool, bro. My my wife always calls me shortcut Matt. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I mean as long as uh, the the problem that as long as it solves the problem for the user and uh, you are able to maintain that solution, uh, I think in the short term you have to optimize for speed and in the long term you have to build for uh, the stability and scalability of the platform mm. so i've just been uh, if you guys are on the audio version of the podcast head over to uh, the youtube channel because i've been showing some of the cool dashboards uh, you guys have built um yeah i mean i think it is quite interesting isn't it i mean uh, the the challenge of scale with something like this you know um what what are your views on scaling because for something like i know you've raised 1.5 million for pre-seed but you know in 6 months a year you'd now series seed series a or pre-series a 
you know, uh, and then suddenly it's about scale, you know. Um, so scale's coming at some point. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, yep. like, yeah. how what what does it mean to you to scale responsibly? As an example, like, what does that mean for you? Yeah. So far as um, we are so, so we are um, always aware that the market itself is like going to change often. So. Um, so when when we talk about scale, um, so we are we are going to like we are talking about our platform scaling as well as the business scaling. So for platform scaling, we are uh, so we have an architecture that we are going to like leverage, and uh, when we scale, it's just about like adding more um, uh, space or the disk space so that we are able to like support a lot more projects. And along the while, wherever possible, we are trying to like optimize our usage patterns and things like that. So when we scale the platform, we don't like linearly scale our computing resources. Uh, so that's something that we are going to like. So that's essentially like scaling responsibly for us in terms of technical stack, right? Um, we are going to like uh, support a lot more use cases and a lot more blockchains and things like that. But then that uh, growth is not going to like linearly increase our like cloud, I mean compute costs and things like that. So that's that's growing responsibly for us. And at the same time, we are also going to be mindful um, uh, to see where we are like expanding into. For example, there could be a blockchain where um, they're, they're like uh, the top of the stack is like pretty high. But then if there's not enough market for us to like capture there, we'll probably be more looking to expand into other smaller projects where uh, we have an opportunity to capture most of the market. Uh, at the same time, when it comes to like business scaling, uh, so a lot of companies when they like raise money or when it, when they try to scale, it's mostly about scaling the company, meaning like hire more people, throw more people into sales, and then try to like pursue uh, uh, more business deals, uh, no matter whether they convert or not, you try to like scale the company uh, to just for the money that you're like raising, right? Uh, we are not going to be doing that. So far as um, so our hiring strategy or our expansion strategy is simple. So the moment when things start breaking or the moment when we are not able to like scale ourselves is when we are going to like expand. So that's essentially our mantra for scaling responsibly. So if our sales is not scaling and if we realize that by adding more people, we are going to like unlock more sales and more bottom line, that's when we are going to like scale. Mm. Okay, cool. So you thought it through. Well done. <laughs> Have you read that book, uh, Crossing the Chasm, Jeffrey Moore? Uh, no, 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 no. Yeah, so he's been on the show. You either listen to that or that's a shorter version of reading the book. Uh, but it's like a it's a must read book uh, for any scalepreneur like you okay. and your team. Yeah, yeah. So check it out. Yeah, uh, so um, cool. So um, I want to have a bit of fun with you very quickly. So uh, I'm going to give you the keys to the Matt Brown Show time machine. If you could go back to yourself on day one or your whole team <laughs> and give yourself or your team a piece of advice about building this company, what would that be? Um, so I would say, so so, um, um, so one of the things that, at least in terms of like fundraising uh, and in terms of generally finding allies, um, so one thing that we realized is that we should have uh, talked to more people uh, even more people than we had initially talked to, and also try to find uh, these angel investors. So one thing that it, we did was we built a product, we talked to users, we got users, and we directly went for uh, a pre-seed raise, right? So the step that we jumped that most companies are doing these days is finding doing that angel round. 
So, um, so I think we should have done that um, because one, it would have given us more time to uh, build the product before we raise the next round. And two, um, angel investors, they don't just give you the money. They also like give you the expertise and their network and things like that. So having angel investors who are already into the space and who have other connections that would have like made our uh, made one finding users, uh, finding customers, and also like finding investors for the next round. That that would have been, I mean, it would have made those things a lot easier. Mm-hmm. So in the absence of that round, we have had to like learn a lot of things and spend a lot of time, uh, hit ourselves, and uh, eventually like get there. But then probably it would have made uh, things a lot better uh, had we had we uh, found some angels um, before while we were like building the product. Yeah, um, but I mean, it's a chicken and egg, isn't it? Like you got, you, you were like, well, product users traction first, then investors, which I I actually think is not a bad not a bad strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's right. I think it probably should have been a mix of both. I mean, still build, talk to users because users are the ones that that are going to use the product and mm. peers eventually. They are the ones who are going to like decide the future of the company. Uh, but just having allies in terms of like angel investors that would have like uh, guided us a lot better. Um, and we, yeah, but 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 yeah, true. I think our uh, strategy worked eventually. I mean, we managed to build the product, get customers and all, and eventually like raise around. Uh, but yeah, uh, that, that's well, some learning. Well, the other thing that you did, which I thought was really interesting, is that you didn't raise from crypto funds. Oh yeah. <laughs> You know yep, what yep. I mean? Like you raised from actual real yes. world investors, not like, hey, we only do crypto stuff. And so therefore, right. if you're not that, then go away. Like this was actually, hey, we do crypto and <laughs> you raised from actual, you know, venture capitalists. So Yeah, so that's that that goes back to our belief that the problem that we are solving is not not just specific to like crypto or blockchains. We feel that there's a problem that's uh, applicable to a lot more domains than just like Web3. So our future, so um, five years, 10 years down the line, we see ourselves like being able to answer data questions for any data, essentially. I mean, come plug in your data and then ask a question. So it has to be uh, like another layer on top of data. So let's say how IBM thought like uh, uh, PC on like every desk, right? So similar to that, it's more like you shouldn't be Accessing the data directly. R should be a layer using which people can, should access the data, into both internally and externally. Mm-hmm. Well, um, dude, listen, I think you're doing a lot of things the right way. Um, I mean, you know, the fact that you've raised money in the market the way that it is for, you know, crypto, blockchain type utility technology platform, again, is congratulations to you. And I think, um, you know, I think what you're doing. You know, you do, you're saying a lot of the right things from from what I'm hearing, um, and so I've no doubt that you know Series A is coming. You know, so <laughs> so yeah, I hope yeah, yeah. I, so I hope you get there, bud. Um, you know, and just head down, keep going, and I'm sure you guys will win. Thanks, thanks, Matt. Uh, hopefully, yeah. Uh, Series A. So we try not to think too much about the so uh, internally our uh, our uh, motto has been to like drive usage, drive numbers, and Series A will fall in place. I mean, or the next round or whatever is coming next is going to like fall in place. So mm-hmm. we're trying to like, yeah, uh, be heads down, focus on product, focus on users and solve the right problems. 
Well, there you go. See, you're saying all the right things again. <laughs> <laughs> well, AJ, it's been a privilege having you here, buddy. And, uh, you know, obviously, I uh, send my best to the you and the rest of the team, okay? Thanks, Matt. It's, 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 it's been nice chatting with you. Uh, it's great being on the show. Anytime. All right, buddy. See you soon. Bye. Ciao. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients Clients Haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.